0: Welcome to this week's message from Southland Church. For more information about this message and other resources, visit mysouthland.com. It's good to be with you. And we're in, if you weren't here last weekend, we were continuing a series from the year before on the armor. And, uh, and so I'm excited to talk to you about that. We're talking about the helmet of salvation this morning. And uh, we're going to do it in a very interesting kind of way because we're going to, uh, it's almost like we're going to demonstrate it. Uh, by taking a topic, and we're going to demonstrate it using three of the of, of the different uh, pieces of armor, show you how, how, this, uh, how this thing can work and why it's, so t- uh, why it's so vital and so important. I've been praying that uh, that we as a church would grow in these matters and that it wouldn't just be a, a matter of interest, but that it would also cause us to then change in, in what we do and how we do it. All right, uh, so let's bow for a word of prayer, and then we'll begin. Father, thank you uh, for this time in, in which we could even worship, and, and Lord, it's just a lead-up. It's a practice, almost, if you like, in real, in real time for what we know is going to take place when we read uh, the book of Revelation and we see them worshiping there and, and with, uh, t- with tremendous uh, power and passion and desire and love and affection for you and uh, with just inexpressible kind of glorious uh, joy. And uh, so we thank you for the opportunity to be doing it. Thank you that we can get a hint of heaven now. Thank you for the deposit of your spirit, the the spirit who you've given to us as a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We just praise you for that, uh, that you've given us and that we can taste of the powers of the coming age that we can share in the Holy Spirit right now, that we can taste the goodness of the Word of God, as the writer to Hebrews says. Even now, we get a taste of glory, and we praise you for that. And, uh, but we look forward to something that's much, much better. And we pray for those that are struggling in our church today a number of families going through some really difficult times i think in particular of the house and walter uh, uh on his on his way to be with you but what a tough road what a tough road and there's others that are going through such difficult difficult times we pray that even if they can't be here, that even if, if, if somebody shares something with them or they can listen to it later or something, but Lord, that you, you would be their hope. That we could, uh, we pray, even as Paul did, may the God of hope fill them with all joy and peace as they trust in you. That they may be filled to jo- uh, hope overflowing by the Holy Spirit. We pray this for them and that you would encourage them in the hospital and at home and wherever they, these families are, and bless them. Some of them may be even here today. Bless them. Be real close to them. And now speak to us even as uh, through your Word. This is really, really critical that we get this, Lord. And uh, I just pray you'd open our minds, and I pray that you'd work upon our wills, to work upon our wills to decide to follow you more intently and to prepare for the, the, the days that we're in but also for the day that you're returning in power and glory to take us home. We look forward to that day. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The armor is needed to protect us as we go into battle and you never, ever take the armor off. That's the whole point. you got to eat with it on. you got to sleep with it. You never take it off in this lifetime. Once you put it on, you never want to be without it. Armor is for this world; robes are for heaven. Amen. Is not going to—we're not going to need the armor. We're going to lay it down, and we're not going to need it. We've discussed the belt of truth, and the breastplate of righteousness, the feet um, sh- shod or shod with the uh, readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We talked about that last week. And today we're talking about the helmet of salvation, and I skipped over the shield of faith. You may be wondering why, and the reason was because I wasn't certain, but I thought certain families that were going through tough times might be here this weekend and maybe wouldn't be ever able to come back again after that. And so I decided I'd put it here just in case. And then we'll go to the shield of faith next week, and so that's why we're talking about it. But in Ephesians 6:17, uh, I'll get to that right away. But I, I think it's appropriate that we go right from the start because I think it's such an appropriate passage. And I would encourage you to all memorize it. But it says, "Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes." And by the way, the word "stand" is in those first few verses four times. Because the whole point of the armor is so that we don't fall away, that we don't, uh, that we don't lose our stance, that we don't drop dead, that he doesn't get us. That's the whole point of putting it on. Uh, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, oh no, and then uh, verse 12, I, I missed uh, verse 12 there, but uh, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against... Rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces in heavenly places, therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, and as I said last week, that day will come. It comes to all of us. So that when the day of evil comes, and Satan tries to inflame it, either with a direct attack or through temptations or through dying or whatever it is, When that day of evil, you may be able to stand, and after you've done everything to stand. And then verse 14, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist or cinched around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with um, with feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, which we talked about, verse 15, And then, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith. We're going to refer to it today, though we're not preaching on it today because I'm going to show you something. Uh, Take up the shield of faith with which to quench all the fiery arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, that's today, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then he goes on to uh, talking about prayer for two verses, and we won't go into that right now. So, What truth is Paul picturing with the helmet of salvation? 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, where he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, makes it quite simple for us. He says, let us be controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. There it is, the hope of salvation. That's what he's talking about. It's a hope. So it's the helmet of salvation of hope. Or you can, if you you like, uh, just... uh, for, for short, just call it the helmet of hope. that will help you remember it. The helmet of hope. And it fastens on the promise of what is yet coming that we can't see. And Paul talks about a, a hope like that in Romans chapter 8. So, how does hope help us? And we're just going to quickly put up a quick list. We cannot speak on all of these. This would be an entire series, just this piece right here. It makes us bold and courageous. I'll give you an example of, of, of that verse, just so you see how, the, how Paul ties that in. He said, since we are, and no, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. And I thought I was going to say something about it, but this is not going to be enough time, so forget it. It helps us resist sin. And you can look at these passages, and if you want to take a a photo, you can write it down, whatever. It causes us to reject worldly pleasures. It supports believers in affliction, which is what I was praying about some of the families in our church. Psalm 43, why are you cast down, O my soul? That's what he's talking about. It gets the attention of unbelievers. We talked a little bit about that from a different angle last week. And it overcomes weariness in well-doing according to galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says let us not be weary in well-doing uh is what he said Um, but here in addition to that that's galatians 6 9 but also it overcomes weariness in prayer and that's uh, we find that in luke chapter 18 verse 1 jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not what there it is. See, not give up. That's the whole point of this armor, because Satan's strategy is actually very, very simple. His strategy is incredibly simple. If you want to know what his strategy, I always pray against his strategies, his plans, and his assignments. Always, I'm always praying against those three. But his strategy is easy. Uh, it's always to make you quit. That's it. If he makes you stop if he makes you fall if he makes you quit then he he succeeded in doing what he wanted to do that's his whole plan and he uses uh he uses a number of different ways of doing this he has different plans and uh, ways of doing it but uh he uses deception tremendously well in this in 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 this and so uh it's very important that we know it's a it's a very simple strategy, but it has proved to be very effective. And that's why Paul says, stand or stand firm four times. Pastor Vivian Fernandez in Mumbai, India, said the greatest tragedy concerning uh, prayer is uh, not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. And we're going to, we're going to look we're going to use prayer as a bit of a subject in which we take, uh, because we're going to select it, you know, like from that list. We're just going to take that one, and we're going to show you, I'm going to show you how these different, how these different pieces of, of the armor work in relation to each other on a particular topic, Okay. Because the whole point is this. You have to put the whole armor. Let's put it on the whole armor of God. Did you, did you catch that? We're supposed to put the whole armor, he said. I quoted that. You can go back and you can take a look at it. Not just one piece. Because I, And I'm going to give you an example. There are some Christians who are really big into, let's say, apologetics. Now, that's a good thing. Is there a God... Which is the right God? Is the Bible reliable? How do we know? All those kinds of things. Are those important questions to know and understand and learn? Yes or no? Amen. Yeah, amen. They're very important. And we, and we teach them here. I've sometimes spoken on it. Chris has spoken on it Lots. Tom has spoken on, on it. It's terribly important. But I'm going to tell you something. That's the belt of truth. You have to know that. You've got to cinch on the belt of truth. You've got to know that. But if that's all you do, if all you do is cinch on the belt of truth, and, for example, you leave the helmet of salvation off, just as an example, your head is exposed, and the enemy won't get you on the truth part. He'll get you on the hope part. Does that make sense? Which is why you need the entire armor on. And suddenly we're beginning to... It's starting to dawn on us that this whole matter of putting armor... He's talking about the entire Christian life here. And it's not a matter of just simply getting up in the morning and praying a little um, prayer. Put, Dear God, I'm putting this armor on, and I'm putting this armor, and I'm putting this armor. No, no. We have to wrestle truth into in our lives, and we've got to figure out what each one of these pieces means and then wrestle, wrestle those pieces on, into our life. Is that true? Then we have protection. And so we're going to uh, talk... Uh, about that. And we're going to illustrate it with prayer, okay? So here we go. We're talking now about belt of truth, even in a message on hope, because we're going to get to the hope, but I want you to see how it interacts with other pieces. Uh, if you don't believe the truth that mankind's prayers are needed to change things, that's, that's part of cinching on the truth. You have to know that prayer is needed uh, in this world, God will not just do whatever he's going to do. Yes, there are certain things in his sovereign plan, it's a big overall plan, and you're not going to change that. There is a time when he's coming back, and he's going to set up his kingdom and all those kinds of things. No matter what you or I do, he's going to do that. Is that true? But within that, he's got a lot of things that need to be done, and, he's, and he has entrusted that, and he's stewarded it to us to do, And it's up to us to do. So if we believe that God is sovereign, then the question is, then why is it necessary to pray anyway? And this is where we've got to cinch on the belt of truth concerning prayer. The answer lies in God's original plan when He created man and woman. He gave Adam and Eve dominion over the entire earth and all creation. Psalm 115 says, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to who? Help me, church, speak to me. He's given it to who? To man. And the word there in Hebrew actually means, he didn't just give it to them, he assigned it to them. In other words, the world doesn't belong to mankind. We act like it does, but the world doesn't belong to mankind. It belongs, who owns the world? God does. But he has has assigned the management and the stewardship of it to who? To us. And we see it also in Genesis. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to do what? Take care of it. Exactly. As such, Adam and Eve were to represent the will of God here on earth. How things go on, were to go on planet earth, for better or worse, depended on the first couple and their offspring. Do you believe that? Church, do you believe that? Because that... That, this is really critical to understanding how prayer works. This is cinching on the belt of truth because if you don't cinch this piece of truth on, you will not pray because you, you, will, you will conclude that in your family, God's going to do what He's going to do. In your life, He's going to do what He's going to do. In your work or business, He's going to do whatever He's going to do. In your ministry, He's going to do what He's going to do. Actually, No. He's given that assignment to you and I to do, to steward that, and it's going to depend for better or worse. And you know how I can prove that this is exactly true? Did he, did he give the assignment to Adam and Eve? And we said, it, the Scripture says, how can we tell that he actually did it uh, and, and let it go? Adam and Eve sinned, and with it, things got bad, did it? Did God, was that God's will that they sinned, yes or no? No, it wasn't. But he literally gave them stewardship, and how they were going to manage it was going to, for better or worse, that's how it was going to turn out. Do you see what I'm saying? There is a huge chunk here where you and I are responsible for what is taking place within that big framework of sovereignty. Many people have trouble getting their heads around that. And Satan deceives them there. That's why, uh, uh, this is important. He told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, in the Lord's Prayer. Did he, did, he, did he tell us to do that? Why would he do that? Surely he wouldn't want us to waste our time asking for something that was going to happen anyway, would he? The disciples say, teach us to pray. Well, pray, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. In your life, in the life of your children, in your parents and brothers and sisters, in your business, in your workplace, in your cities, in your country, pray that. Why? Why pray that if it's going to happen anyway, or not? True? True. True. Didn't He ask us in the Lord's Prayer to uh, ask for our daily bread? Give us this daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Wait a minute. Doesn't he know that we have need for daily bread and other needs that go with it? Surely he knows that already. Why would we have to pray it? The reason is because he gave us the responsibility for enacting these things on the planet. We're talking right now. You say, well, I thought we were talking about hope. Hang on. I'm showing you, I'm going to show you the interrelationship of these armor pieces and why you need all of them. And right now, we're talking about, we're taking one topic and talking about how you cinch the truth on. You have to understand this about the need to pray, or you won't pray because you don't have the belt of truth on concerning prayer. Uh, didn't he tell us to, uh, to ask that laborers be sent into the harvest? He said that to the disciples in Matthew 9, verse 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest that he will send uh, laborers into his harvest field. For the harvest is ripe for harvest, but the laborers are few. Why would he ask us to do the praying for that? Surely he wants those laborers a whole lot more than you and I do. Would you agree? We want the laborers going to the harvest field, but not nearly as much as our Heavenly Father does. Yet, he assigns that To us to do. And how we do with it is going to determine a lot, whether we get to participate in that or not, right? Let's take the story of Elijah. I'm not finished on this topic, because I want want us cinching the belt of truth on this thing before we go to the shield of faith, and then we're going to talk about, about the helmet of hope with regards to prayer. So let's, uh, let's use the story of Elijah. So uh, 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, you have the story. He's told to go to Ahab and announce that there was, an, uh, there was a drought. It was a, a, a three-year drought judgment. Sounds a little like today. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land after the three-year drought. So after it's finished... He's been at the brook of He's been with a widow at Zarephath. Now God says, I want you to go to King Ahab because I think I've got their attention now after three-year drought and tell them there's going to be rain. So Elijah announced it to King Ahab even though it was God's idea. By the way, notice that? God's idea, Elijah has to enact it. True? Did you get it so far? We're not finished though. But it wasn't enough to announce it and wait. So we know what happens. He says there's going to be this rain. And then he calls for this big contest. Because now he's got the attention. God's got the attention of the entire nation. Because their their nation is burning up with heat. And it's been bronze. No water. Nothing's growing properly. Probably fires. And and he's got their attention. So (laughs) um, um, Elijah... Puts on this, uh, on this big contest. And you know, the prophets, Baal 450, they, call, try to, they cut themselves praying, and nothing happens. And Elijah's standing there and mocking them till noon. And then at noon, he just calls down fire, boom, and it consumes the water and consumes the sacrifice, consumes the rocks, consumes the entire altar. And, and uh, oh my, it's just unbelievable. And the people go, The Lord, He is God, the Lord, He is God. Amazing demonstration of God. But what's interesting is, after the fire contest, it required Elijah's perseverance. Remember, God said, go tell Ahab rain's coming. So he does his part and he goes and tells him. But this is where we as Christians often stop. We now know the what God wants, and we don't realize that it's up to us to enact it through prayer. And so Elijah... By the way, this is cinching on the belt of truth right now. That's what we're talking about, concerning prayer. So Elijah uh, calls down this fire. You'd think he would just call down rain. Rain. <laughs> you know, he's the Old Testament version of the rain man. Rain. And uh, no, no, nothing happens. He goes to prayer, and he prays for rain. And he sends a servant to the bluff to look out, out over the valley where they could get a good look. And tell me if there's a cloud coming. Comes back and says, no, no not even a wisp. Not, like nothing? Not even a little bit of white? No. He goes to prayer again. Sends the servant a second time. And the servant comes back, nothing. He does it a third time. And a fourth time. And a fifth time. And a sixth time. Does that sound like some of your prayers? By the way? How many of you are up to six? Some of you might have stopped at six. You've got to go to seven. And so he goes to prayer a seventh time, and he sends the servant again, and the servant comes back, and the servant is really excited. He says, I see a cloud the size of a fist. Now think about this, a big sky, massive sky, you know, our big sky here, and you get one this big. And I want you to notice his response to a cloud this big, little white fluffy thing, you know, cotton ball go and tell ahab at once hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you that's hilarious by the way (laughs) you can laugh that's hilarious are you serious or is it because in the next verse says meanwhile the sky grew black with clouds the wind rose a heavy rain came down ahab rode off to jezreel This isn't just a cute little bedtime story. This is a story about the interaction of, of heaven and earth, God's kingdom and us in that kingdom, and how heaven and earth interact and work together. That's what this is a story about. And we have to cinch on, put on the belt of truth, and understand this. Otherwise, we won't pray. This was about advancing God's kingdom. The northern kingdom was far from God. And so he did this. And, of course, we know what happened. The people saw this and they said, Lord is God. Now, here's what I want to say about this. God will not eliminate the middleman. You and I are the middleman. Some things God will not move unless we pray. Pray. Apparently, our prayers do make a difference, a huge difference. When we, Andrew Murray said, when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. That's powerful. But we have a problem in the church today, which Isaiah faced in his. In chapter 59, it dis, Isaiah described a society, we know it today, uh, that that's, it sounds just like our society. Unrighteousness prevailed and injustice and evil in great proportion. And I want you to notice God's reaction to this. The Lord saw it, all these things that I just mentioned, it displeased him that there was no justice. Now verse 16. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to what? I looked for someone, he says in Ezekiel. The whole world, Christians too, see terrible things going on, and they ask, why isn't God doing something about this? And God in his council chambers in heaven, with his council, are having a discussion, what's the matter with Christians? Why aren't they doing something about this? Like praying. Like praying. He's fully willing to do something about it, but remember... He's entrusted or assigned that part to us, and if you don't understand that, you won't pray no matter how many messages on prayer you hear. God even tells us what to pray. We listen, He speaks, we pray according to His will, and then He moves into action. So the Lord's Prayer is not so much a prayer as it is an explanation of how the earthly realm interacts with the world with the heavenly realm or uh, you know or how and, and how the kingdom does business on earth that's why he says your kingdom come pray that in these things he wants us to pray for his will to be done in every area of our lives our family our friends the cities countries every situation he's given us a job of being watchmen of prayer and Isaiah he said I've posted watchmen on your walls O Jerusalem they will never be silent day or night You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest and continue to pray until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. In other words, he has promised that that is what he's going to do. We know that. And Chris is going to be speaking, I understand, on end times. And uh, again, uh, or revelation or whatever it is, uh, he's going to be preaching on that. And a lot of it's going to say the things that are going to happen. But did you know, he's looking for us to enact some of that through prayer. That's putting on the belt of truth. Prayers of faith are not praying once, but praying through. And if your belt of truth is on, you'll know that you are needed in prayer. Christians, we must pray. We must pray. Here's the second thing. Let's take the shield of faith and see how that interacts with this topic of prayer. So now you know about the belt of truth. I mean, if you don't even understand that basic concept, you're dead already. You won't pray. If, he did, if, he get, if Satan gets you to stop praying, he already got you doing exactly what he wanted to do. You say, but I didn't feel anything. No, that's exactly right. He does it in secret. He does it through your quiet little thoughts, and you think they're your thoughts. They're not. He's implanting the the lies uh, that are not in accordance with truth, which is why we have to wrestle those truths into our lives. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But the shield of faith... You can believe in the importance of prayer, like we just talked about, but then believe false doctrines about prayer, often propagated by false prophets on television. I'm not mincing words here. You know what I saw. Uh, I saw on a newscast, there was a photo of a really expensive executive jet. Now I like airplanes, okay? So you put a picture of an airplane on, I stop everything I'm doing. And uh, I see what the article is about. And in, this, in this case, it was about uh, some televangelists and stuff, and, they had, uh, uh, and two of them had just bought brand new, you know, had really upgraded. And these aren't little. Just, I mean, they're, these are big. So these two characters, and that's what I'll call them, they're false prophets. Uh, I, mean, I, I watched the, the clip that they had. The, these two characters are sitting at a table, and uh, they've got coffee mugs, and they're casually dressed, a nice warm atmosphere. They're telling all their poor followers um, about why they bought these expensive jets uh, for their ministry. And one was on his third, uh, and the other one was on his second. They had uh, had just got it. And the one looked into the camera, and uh, I I won't tell you what his uh, name, I, I won't you tell you the names, but one of them rhymes with Hopeland. But anyway, he looked looked into the camera and he said, do you know why I needed this jet? Why do you need this jet? Because those big commercial aircraft, they're like metal tubes full of demons, charlatans, and they'll take verses like Matthew 21:22, whatever you ask in prayer you will receive if you have faith. And they'll build a whole theology on that which basically comes down to having faith in faith. Now, the reason I'm saying is, I think I'm going to talk about the shield of faith next week. And the shield of faith is, about, okay, so they believe in prayer, and a lot of people believe in prayer, but now they start to believe some false doctrines about prayer so now it's yes you gotta pray you gotta pray you gotta pray so they got the you know in 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 a sense they've got the belt of truth there but now satan takes this and he fires fiery arrows of false doctrines at them and they come out with these weird kinds of kinds of ideas built on one verse taken out of context with all the all of scripture and they say you shouldn't suffer and you know on and on And it stops believers. You say, well, you're just preaching a choir here. No, I'm not. It has stopped people right here at Southland. Listen to me. Be careful who you're listening to. You, You can't examine the lives of those kinds of people who are a million miles away and what they're doing. You have no idea what they're doing. And you have, to, you have to know the truth so that you can see when they're giving you false theology. You know who you can trust? You can trust Pastor Chris. But get in the Word and then take, take a look. And you can see how he lives, his life. Is that true? Paul said, examine my life, the way I live. Don't you go watching all that it's a four-letter word that I won't use, because then I'll get some emails <laughs> from parents who are concerned about their kids hearing that word. So nonsense, that's a good word. I've never used it before, but that's awful stuff. You said, oh, you shouldn't, you know, you're being too harsh. And no, I'm not. Look at what Paul, if you read your word, you'll see Paul warned them about people, and he named them. I'm not talking about pastors who are true godly pastors and we have a difference here, there, and stuff. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about false prophets. Watch it. Anyway, I don't know. I'm getting carried away here. So I better get going. Listen, there are three conditions for answered prayer, and here they are. They're implicit in the Lord's Prayer, but they're explicit in other places. I don't have time to develop it all, but I'll quickly give you them. It must glorify God. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught, "Hallowed be Your name." Now, how can you pray Your name be glorified, and then ask Him for something that will not glorify Him? Amen. Do you think that kind of stuff would? Have, I just explained. Do you think that glorifies God? Yes or no? No. Church, listen to me. Does that glorify God? No. no it does not glorify God. Even the world knows that and puts it on their website newscasts. How come the world knows that better than, than, than Christians sometimes? It must glorify God. Number two uh, condition. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus instructed your kingdom come. And by the way, I know lots of you know this already. I know that. But there might be a few people here that need to know this. And um, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus instructed, your kingdom come. Did he he instruct us to pray that? Yes, he did. So then how would he allow us to do something that would be contrary uh, to pray, something that would be contrary to that? He wouldn't. And uh, condition number three, must not hurt us. And I put another word in there, ultimately. God cares about, I always say this, right, about the line of our eternity more than about the dot of our present. And some things he allows in our lives because he knows it's going to make us better and prepare us for eternity. There'll be more reward and so on, and that's another whole message because of it. But he's not going to. Well, in Matthew chapter seven, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then know you are being, uh, uh, if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? Amen. And that means he will, that also means he won't give us, not only will he not give us bad gifts, it means he will not give us gifts that would be bad for us. True? And it sometimes means he'll say no to us in certain things because he knows that it'll be better for us. Oh, God is good. Can you say with me, God is good? Man, we sang, we sang it last week, didn't we? Oh, the unfathomable riches of Christ. Fish and eggs were common. Uh, Foods in Palestine, while serpents and scorpions were regular hazards. And if sinful human fathers wouldn't uh, give those hurtful things, how much more would our Heavenly Father not do that? And there's certain things you're going to ask for, and He's going to say, it doesn't fit condition number three. I know you don't understand, but neither do our kids, by the way, do they? They don't always understand either. Eh, It's actually not good for you to be on this whatever doohickey electronic thing another hour, right? Mom and Dad don't love us. Actually, they do love you, that's why. And um, anyway, that's, by the way, you know, I, 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 mo- I mocked uh, Pastor Chris, and no doubt you'll tell him about it, but that's part of the reason he, he, uh, he, he gets on these terrors it's not just because he's being anti-electronic. It's because he actually recognizes the problems. Amen. And he recognizes the problems with the kids. And so he, he's trying to model something, resist that, uh, that temptation. But anyway, let's, let's move on to another one. So now we know that not only do you need the belt of truth with regards to prayer, but you also need the... Shield of faith and understanding what the conditions are for, for prayer, and you've got to be careful because there's charlatans and false prophets out there, and Satan's using them to fire arrows at you to try to get you off course because then you pray for the wrong things and then God doesn't answer, and now you're angry and you're disappointed with God and you what? Quit, and so many have. Or you cause division in a church, or you do something, but you, you don't stand firm. Here's the next one you need: helmet of hope, with regards to prayer. Even if you believe the truth about the need to pray, belt of truth, and you pray correctly, shield of faith, you may become weary in it. Do you ever get weary in prayer? Yes or no? Does do any have any of you ever got weary? Paul got weary. <laughs> That's why he could say, he, he understood it. He, he could say, to, the, he could say uh, to them, let us not grow weary in well-doing. Let us not grow weary. Let's not give up. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. That's what he said to the Corinthians. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. First Corinthians 15, 58. Right? Don't let anything move you. Don't become weary in well-doing and in prayer. Because enemy is trying to wear you down so that you will what? Quit. That's the strategy. And if you quit, he got you. You say, yeah, but you don't know how weary I am. I know you don't. I I don't know how weary you are. I know how weary I get, but I don't know how weary you get. But let me say this. That's what the helmet of hope is for. Amen? So that you don't become weary in well-doing and quit. I remember, um, I'm going to illustrate it. Uh, It was August uh, for, and I hope in the illustration I don't make matters worse. I I hope I actually make matters better. That's the point of the illustration. It was August 1st, 2004, and Fran and I were attending a church uh, in Langley, B.C., where we went when we were staying in the White Rock area many years ago uh, for the writing. And uh, the pastor, Pastor Brent Cantillon at that time, he got up and he said, we're going to pray for a missionary. I'd like us to pray for a missionary right now. He's dying of cancer. I'd like us to pray for him. So we all knelt. He asked us, and this is a, this is a pretty big congregation, he asked us to all kneel on the, on the floor, which was great. It was a Sunday morning. We did. We didn't know this missionary. And, uh, and uh, so I, I was praying for the missionary, but Fran immediately got a vision from the Lord. And it was a, a vision of Stefan. And, uh, there were a lot of black, uh, ghost-like, black creatures, almost uh, like leeches, that were all over him. And he was trying to fight him off. He couldn't fight him off. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't saved at the time. And we had been praying a lot, but not just us. Everybody, there was tons of other people praying. And, and I'm going to say that because I don't want you to get the idea that it raises this amazing prayer. He's not. Just another prayer And uh, do not be ashamed of going to every single cell meeting and every opportunity in prayer summit and asking others to pray for your kids or whoever. We did it for years. (laughs) And what would you like prayer for today? Same. That's all we would say. Same. 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 Year after year. Same. 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 Many people pray. And the vision she got was that the black leeches were getting pulled off, but they were still—they were hanging on. They kind of like suction cups, but they were being stretched. And the Holy Spirit helped us to understand immediately the picture when she described it right after the service, walking out to the parking lot. We immediately knew what it was. It was the prayers. It was all the prayers that were having that impact in the spirit world. Because there's a spirit world going on, people. People, Do you hear me? Yes. That's why your prayers are so necessary. And that's why they aren't just answered overnight. It's not just like God overrules everybody's will. There's a, there is a spiritual battle going on. And we've become materialists in our, and naturalists in our churches in the West. We don't believe in the spirit world. They believe it in everywhere in the world except in the West. And, and these spirits were getting sucked off. Well, when we saw that vision, we were so encouraged. All these prayers, all the prayers of the, God's people are having an effect. And it gave us such... It gave us such... Hope. Yeah, hope helmet of salvation. That we double down in our prayers. When you got hope, you got strength. Is that true? You renew your strength when you got hope. When you have no hope, you lose your spiritual strength. You're zapped. And so we doubled down in our prayers, and we prayed even harder. Oh, we were just energized. I mean, even more. I mean, we are fasting and praying and, oh, we're calling out and we're praying against the enemy and, and uh, lashing at the air, <laughs> hitting absolutely nothing. Do you see what the helmet of hope does? If you don't have the helmet of hope, okay, we talked about the belt of truth. With regards to prayer, if you don't understand the necessity of prayer, for example, when, you, when your kids aren't doing well and you're not praying because God's whatever's going to happen is going to happen, you stop. If you get some weird idea about how prayer works, you're gonna pray weird and you're gonna stop eventually. If you don't have hope, eventually you get so weary and finally you just give up and you don't pray anymore. Do you see why the armor is so important? It, It is just absolutely critical, so... So how do we put on hope? Oh boy, this would take a series of, of things we can hope for. But not really, because what I'm going to show you is, is actually quite simple. I don't want you to get uh, uh, this, this idea that you can't go and put on your helmet of salvation today and this week. You can. And I'm going to show you how to do it very simply. And maybe that's why I just had an idea. Maybe that's why the Lord messed with the message the way he did this weekend. Yeah. Anyway, uh, just as there is weak faith, there is also wavering hope. And Hebrews chapter 6 says, We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. Do you know what he's saying? I'm giving you responsibility to put that helmet of hope on. It's your responsibility. You say, I'm in such despair and stuff. Yeah, then it's, it's your responsibility to put that helmet of hope on. Did you you hear me, Christian? It's your responsibility, all the earnestness to put it on. We must not be lazy in strengthening our hope. You say, well, you know, some of us are pessimists and some of us are optimists. You know what? I grew up as a guy with a glass half full. Or is it half empty? My wife was half full. Yeah, she was the positive one, I was the negative one. And yet, for decades, I haven't been negative. And the reason is because I put on the helmet. I have to do it just like you. I have to put that thing on. Otherwise, I go into... I just tunnel down. And I can spin out of control very fast. And I know that. Second Corinthians 4.18. So here's the first way fix your eyes on what is not seen. So uh, Paul said that uh, to the church at Corinth. He said, so we fix our eyes, right at the end in verse 18, he said, so, I, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is, on, what is? You don't look at your, your problems and all the issues you're facing. You get your eyes off all your issues and you get your eyes on what you cannot see. Is that true? Well, you say, <laughs> Ah, How do you do that? Well, uh, through Scripture. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have what? Very good. Very good answer. We might have hope. Hope in what? Well, you can you can write these things. I've got eight here, and maybe some of you are going to send me some more. But I I noted eight things we have hoped for for the future. Here's eight of them. That's if I'm ready to go there. No, I, I want. There is something else I want to say first before I do that. First Corinthians chapter nine verse twenty. First uh, Corinthians nine verse twenty. Uh, t- yeah, that one. <laughs> 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 Starting with verse 25, but verse 24 says, "Don't you know that in a race everyone runs, but only one? Uh, but only one gets a prize?" And then he says, "Run to get uh, run in such ways to get the prize." Then verse 25, he says, "Every everyone who goes into uh, competes in the games goes into what? The Greek games. Everybody who goes in, goes into strict training." He says, "They do it to get a crown that will not last." we do it, do what? Ah, it's not showing up to church, and that's it. Strict training. You can see from these pieces of armor what I'm talking about. We're not talking about little stuff. Strict training. We, they do it uh, to get a crown, uh, a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that will uh, last forever. Then he says, that is why I... I do not run like a man running aimlessly. You wouldn't run your business like that. You can't run your Christian life like that either. We, uh, I, don't, I don't fight like a man beating the air. No, he says, I beat my body. He means self-discipline. And make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself won't be disqualified for the prize. I have to practice what I preach is what he's saying. Otherwise, I'm going to be disqualified, too. Here, here's one I think I want to encourage you. I know a lot of you do this already. In fact, more in this church than I've seen in any church where I travel. Uh, a sermon notebook. You say, this is too hard what you're asking. We don't know. I've never been to Bible college or whatever. I don't know how to study the Bible. Uh, you know what? Use cheat notes. Cole's Notes versions. You get lots of good preaching here from your pastor. Uh, Chris and the other pastors, he asked, you know, uh, Stefan and Tom and Chris, few and stuff. So, you get lots of good preaching. Just come with a sermon notebook and start taking a few notes down. And lots of you I know are doing it with phone. By the way, if you see somebody doing a phone, that doesn't mean they're doing Sudoku or Scrabble necessarily. Many of them, that's how Pastor Stefan does it. I know Len Neufeld, our, our board chair for uh, two decades, that's how he does it, or, he, or even, uh, I've even seen him with his little iPad or whatever, a Surface or something, or a computer, and others do that like that, and they take notes like that. That's how you do it, and you start studying, and you, and you drill down, and, and you say, oh, there's 10 hopes. Now you go home because the pastor didn't have time to talk about it, and you, and you look up those references, and you start to study them and pray and meditate on them. Maybe you start to memorize a few of those verses. And guess what starts to happen? I mean, I started, I started listing, uh, listing the different hopes, which I now won't get a chance to preach on because I'm, I'm going to be out of time. Uh, and there was eight of them. And I started getting so excited because talk about new heaven and new earth. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. No more droughts, no more fires, floods, tornadoes, volcanoes, hurricanes. Oh, like, it's just craziness what's going on, right, in the planet? Uh, unbelievable what's going on. It's not going to be here. You say, how do you know? Well, it's easy because, uh, because heaven's going to be married with earth and Jesus is coming to reign on this earth. Do you think, don't you think that those forces of nature have to submit to him? Do you think they're going to be able to uh, overtake anything he doesn't want them to do? Oh, no, it's perfect where he is. He has very well manicured lawns. And he says he's going to live with us. Amen? So if he's going to live with us, it's going to be amazing. New heaven and new earth, are you looking forward to it? You're going to get a new body. How many of you need a new body? Is that Walter? Walter, you need a new body. Man, the aging, you know. Uh, you walk with a bent and you get silver hair and you lo- others of you don't even have it. And, 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 and all the diseases, you know, cancer and stroke and diabetes and, and, uh, and malaria and yellow fever and cholera and Ebola and, and all of this stuff, it just gets... Uh, it, it, we, do you know that in heaven you'll forget how to spell those words? You won't even be able to spell cancer. Is that amazing? Some of you got knees that are shot, completely shot. You're going to have new knees. Can you believe that? Redemption of our bodies. That's coming because they're going to be resurrected. That's a hope. I have no idea where I am here. There's going to be justice and righteousness. Are you sick of the corruption in the world today? Hokey, smokes, it's out of control. What is going on? Dear Jesus, please come back and straighten out this mess. And he says in Isaiah, he's going to do just that. No more genocides, wars, no more government, business, corruption, greed, money, laundering, organized crime, human trafficking, sex, slavery, persecution, wrongful imprisonment, torture, murder, hatred, murder, rape. <sighs> Anybody want to go? Still want to stay? Not me. Grace Fast said to me one day, with tears in her eyes, she said, I have nothing that makes me want to stay here anymore. I want to go. And she didn't mean she didn't want to fulfill what God wants her to do and loves her kids and all that, of course. She said, there's nothing here that ties me to this world. I don't like it at all. Do not love this world and the things of this world. That's what John said. John said. Hope for our adoption as sons. Oh, wow. Who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Think of this. He's already written, if you love Jesus, he's already written out your adoption papers. And he's waiting. On the right day, if you check your calendar, he's coming to pick you up. Does it excite you at all? Yes. Brothers, I don't want you to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. I don't want you to be ignorant, and I don't want you to grieve. Um, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. We believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own Word, we tell you, that we who are alive and remain will uh, certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall be with the Lord forever. Therefore, comfort and encourage one another with these words. He said that to the church in Thessalonica. <laughs> Oh, I wish I could just quote some scripture here for you out of... But anyway, redemption bodies, yeah, I said something about that. Seeing Jesus, oh, though you have not seen him, Peter said, uh, "You, uh, uh, though, uh, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious what? Joy. Joy. <laughs> Think about this. That's before you get to see him face to face. That's before. If you can experience him like that, now, what's it going to be when you're not talking to him on the phone anymore and you see him face to face? Oh man, I can't wait to go. Anyway, and then there's eternal life and final sanctification. I'm going to preach a message on that someday. Uh, and future reward. I don't have time for that., That's the first way. You've got to fix your eyes. On, on the things that are not seen. How? Get, start taking notes, and then start working through that in your devotional time. And, and that means you've got to get up before 9 in the morning. Just saying. <laughs> I know most of you do. But, but for those of you that don't, you know, you've got to get up early. I've been getting up really early for decades. I know your pastor gets up, I think he gets up uh, before 45. And... Um, you you have to it's the only way you can do it you got to wrestle listen to your life and through prayer uh he said may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him I prayed that remember before for some of our people that are suffering may he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope through the Holy Spirit you know what you can do you can go to him and say God I'm in despair Well, fix your eyes on Jesus, one. Number two, go to prayer and ask him to fill you with hope. You spend time... Do you think it's hopeless in God's presence? Yes or no? No. Get in his presence, and it's going to flood you. No matter what you've got. That's how you put the helmet on. Here's the second way you put it on, through ministering to others. You say, oh, you know, I'm going through too much. Well, yes, if you're dying or you're going through a really... I mean, there are those, you know... Uh, circumstance, but many times people just quit because, well, they're facing a tough time. And so, no, Jesus said, I have food that you know nothing about. He said this in John chapter 4, my food is to do the will of God who sent me. When you're ministering, his grace also flows through you. Here's another way, through thanksgiving. When you start uh, thanking him, um, I was in Woodstock, and uh, I was, oh, I was so discouraged, I had got so discouraged. I, oh, I was so discouraged. I was praying one day and the Holy Spirit said, get out a sheet of paper. I did. Start, write down anything you're, prayer, uh, you're thankful for. I thought, well, uh, I'll probably I can, I can name about one or two or three. Uh, oh no, five, because i got four kids and a wife. And that's about where it ended. And, and then I just kept going. I filled the whole paper. I got another paper and I filled that one and then I filled a third one. Well, I'll tell you, by the time I was finished and I saw all he had done for me, I was one happy dude. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hope! I was focusing on one thing here and he had done a thousand things for me here. That's one of the ways you put on the helmet. And then there's one last one. Mennonites would say, through singing... (laughs) <laughs> That's how Chris teases us, right? Through singing. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. As I was preparing the message, you say, yeah, you... Well, no, I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, but as I was preparing the message, uh, and this often happens, a song came to my mind, and the, and the song was uh, uh, in the sweet by and by. I started, as I was praying, as I was prepping, now, that song just kept going. Uh, going. Finally, I got a hold of Pastor Zach... And I said, Pastor Zach, I think I would like us to sing in a sweet by-and-by. Oh, he said, that's a great idea. So he immediately sent me a version by Glenn Campbell, uh, which meant, now I had it there, and I put it on repeat. It's a marvelous feature, isn't it? I know how to use it. And, uh, <laughs> and so I hit the button repeat, and, uh, and then I was working. And I must have have sang that song at least, I'm not exaggerating, 30 times, maybe more. I just have no idea. It was just going every day. And sometimes I would sit there and I would just weep, (laughs) just weep. Incredible joy, such hope, such unbelievable hope. And I said, the weeping wasn't because it was sad. I was just, I just went, God, why would anybody want this when we're going to get that? Why? But you see, you've got to get your eyes off of the things that are, that are seen and you've got to put them on the things that are unseen. And one of the ways is through singing. God made it that way. And, oh, his spirit just moved through me powerfully. I just had just such powerful times. And finally, I'd say, well, Lord, I think I better stop. I really got to get this. I got to get a message together here. And so we're, uh, we're going to sing that song right—well, look at that. We've got a worship team here to help us with that. It is, what an answer to prayer. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, they did a great job with me. We had a wonderful time last night singing. So I'm going to ask you to stand— um, because we're going to sing this song. We ha- had an amazing time singing it last night. We're going we're gonna to have a wonderful time now. Sing it to the Lord and get your eyes off of the here and on the there. All right. There's a land that is fairer than day
1: And by faith, faith we can, we can see it and Pick fall. it up a little bit. For the Father went over the way, to prepare us a dwelling place there, in the sweet
0: Father above,
1: to our wonderful Father above, we will offer our tribute of praise for the glorious gift of His love. Are you happy about this? And the blessings that how about our day. Here we go. In the sweet.
0: That, uh, chorus one more time would you okay then we're gonna sing it one more time but this time when you do it if you want to you can hold somebody's hand you don't have to not everybody likes holding hands and uh, or, or look at somebody or put your arm around somebody and uh, and let's sing that sort of kind of to each other and with each other because we're, that's where we're heading Is it? This is a tremendous hope we have. All right? Give us the uh, chord, and away we go. Here we go. Thanks so much. Here we go. In the the sweet, sweet,
1: sing it out. By and by, we shall be.
0: You're going to be singing that all week long. Here's the weekly challenge. If you haven't already done so, many many do, but start a sermon notebook, a colds note version. Maybe on a phone. Maybe bring you a little whatever. Maybe you write it out. I met uh, Wendy Peters last week as we were walking out, and she pulled out her. She grabbed me and she pulled out her notebook and she said, "Look at this, Armor of God, 2017." She had from, from last year. I thought that was amazing. And memorize Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 8. Start memorizing verses that are meaningful to you. And because we were talking about this in the context of prayer, what's this Tuesday? Oh, yeah. Now you've got your belt of truth on. Amen? You got the shield now. And you got the hope. Or We're going to try to give you some hope in your prayers at the prayer summit okay? This Tuesday, what time? (laughs) Seven o'clock. Be here. And we're going to have an amazing time together. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to this message from Southland Church. For more information or to download this and many other messages, please visit us at myselfland.com.